this week on the Steam Machine Podcast. What the fuck did we just play? Cue the music. Another exciting episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton, and joining me this week is my good buddy. Hey, what's up? It's Willie. Just uh, making sure everyone's still doing well out there. How's it going? Yeah, yeah. And this week, it's uh, it's just me and Willie. We, uh, we called an audible because Nate is feeling under the weather. So we decided to push Borderlands a week, and we chose a short game, kind of a la how me and Nate did Creavers. Um, mm. And me and Willie settled on a, a little game called Paganitsu. But before we get to... So to... Oh, go ahead. Yes, please. No, that, all you. Oh, I was just say, before we get to that, uh, have you... Uh, what you been playing this week, man? Anything interesting? Any, uh, any, any, mm. doom, any doom runs or anything? So, uh, someone gifted me Valheim recently, which I'm actually really surprised by because a lot of people... Uh, played valheim like six months ago and then someone who i hadn't talked to in about a year just blew out of this ether and said hey here's a copy of valheim so uh i haven't played it yet but i'm interested in trying it i just don't know if people are still playing this game you know oh i have that so just let me know if you want to check it out i'll hop on with you it'd be awesome it's interesting and uh, yeah i feel i feel like it, it's like the way people describe it to me it feels like it should be like norse minecraft almost but like it's exactly epic what it adventure is. scale yeah it's exactly what it is. <laughs> it reminds me of like Norse Minecraft with a little bit of uh, God. I want to say World of Warcraft, but it it does not control mm. like that at all. It's just that's the vibe. But with it like gives the me. leveling and the scaling and such. Yeah, and just the way your characters move and stuff just reminds me very much of that that style of game. But it's fun. It's fun. I had a blast when all of us were playing. You know, because that was a game that we could have like ten to you know however many people on at once. Well, that's what's up, man. I'm trying to figure out if there's anything else I've been playing a lot of recently that was super interesting. Um, I've, uh, you know, I've been thinking about getting back into Trails to make sure we finish it up before we pull it up for Trails SC. <laughs> that's really cool. And Nate started to play the game recently, so like that does make me, it does push me forward a little bit because like I would love him to be there for Trails SC. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd like all three of us to be on that one for sure. And, like, the the game was going really well. It was super cool, really fun, and, like, oh, I feel a little derelict. Like, there were so many games last year that we played that I just didn't finish, and uh, <sighs> that's one of the ones that I, I would finish even if we didn't have, like, plans to go forward, but, like, I feel I have to. Like, th- it was so cool. Such a great <laughs> game. Yeah, I, I don't expect you to finish all the games that we play, but that's one that I hope you do because it was the ending was so good. Yeah, so good. And I'd love to get there, find out what happens. Um, for sure. I, I have. How, how about you? What have you been up to? I have been playing um Star Wars: The Old Republic. 
I've been right. fucking around with that. My buddy Dustin just got himself a PC, and uh, I got him in the Discord. So shout out to Darth Torm. Uh, hey, he is my resident Star Wars encyclopedia. If I need to know anything, I can ask him, and he'll be able to tell me about that and about how it was in the books and how it was in the non-canon fan fiction stuff. And then he'll tell me the movie canon, and then he'll tell me the book canon, and then he'll tell me the movie canon again, just so I remember. So, so this is the kind of guy who has like all the deuterocanonical and beyond sources member. It's like he'll know what a tie defender is. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. And he could probably tell you the first year it was made and who created it. You know, he's just he knows so much about <laughs> Star Wars. It blows my mind. So anytime I have questions or anything like that, I go to him. So he asked me uh, or when he told me that he had gotten his computer and stuff, I said, oh, I've been playing the old Republic. And he was like, oh, motherfucker, I'll reinstall it. So. Might start playing some of that with him now and then. That should be fun. Uh, having a blast. Made a Jedi. Got him to uh, a Jedi. I think I used a, a Jedi Knight. So he's just a single lightsaber wielder. Um, but then I also have a Sith Marauder, I believe it's called, which is dual lightsabers. He's pretty cool, too. Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I made the, the Darth Maul race and gave him a double-bladed lightsaber. I had to. I had to have one of those. I haven't played him yet, but he's there. Uh other than that, uh, I've been fucking around with this uh, MMO also called Shroud of the Avatar, which is a... F- okay, I think you've mentioned that this is related, like, this is a Richard Garriott production, is it not? It is, it is, it is. It's like a Lord British is back in town. His spiritual successor to Ultima Online. Nice. How does this differ from a Tabula Rasa, which I thought was also supposed to be a spiritual successor to Ultima Online? Uh, well, I've never heard of Tabula Rasa until you brought it up the other day, and I forgot to look it up, so I can't tell you, sir. <laughs> no! <laughs> but uh, I can tell you about Shroud, and if you know anything about that game, you can tell me. Um, All right. So, Shroud is like, you create your character, and you are the Avatar, as you are in most Ultima-themed things, and you're in Britannia. Um. But it's very, I use the word sandbox, if that's not really the word I'm looking for. It's like, skill-wise, you can do whatever you want. Like, if you want to level bows, you just have to equip a bow and go shoot stuff. And you'll level your bow skill. You know what I mean? Or if you equip a sword, you can go do that. But then if you want to gather, like, you can just go chop a, chop a tree down. And you'll start getting your gathering skill for, you know, uh, forestry or whatever it is. And there's there's skills for everything, man. There's crafting, there's cooking, there's gathering. There's uh, magic skills, there's combat, normal physical skills, and there's just so much to it. And then, like, you can own property. So, like, whenever you beat, I beat the the whole tutorial area, they gave me a deed for a row house, is what it's called. Like a house on the row. Well, the the caveat with this- Our house in the middle of our row. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man, I fucking love 80s music. Uh, um, this is no, we could probably do a full ass episode about that. Yeah, we could. We could. If we ever need to call an audible, we could just talk about 80s music for a week. That's fine with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I got a row. But the, the thing about the deed is it has to be in a player owned town. So I go to the world map. and I start running around. There are a fuckload of player owned towns around, which I think is really cool. Like. There's like the towns for the normal game, but then there's all of these just little places that are like, this is, I'll call it uh, Willyville, owned by Ice Brand. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
oh, okay, so you go into the town and this town's been designed by these people. Like I went into one town and the town was created as a museum of Shroud of the Avatar. So you could just run around and there were all these different statues of enemies you could fight and different uh, like places you could go and they had weapons displays up. It was a really cool thing. And I'm like, man, these people really took the time to put in and make this just cool ass shit that you can come across. It's like, again, like Minecraft, you know what I mean? But that's awesome. I did end up finding a, uh, a row house and I was like, all right, I'll claim this one. I like this one. And I clicked on it and it was like this, the rent for this place is 250 gold a week for taxes. Uh, just so you know. And I was like, Oh, never mind. I can't afford, I have a thousand gold to my name. I can't afford 250 gold a week yet. <laughs> oh no, this is too real. So that's my next goal is to figure out how to make some gold in that game so I can have a house. And, uh, but like, because that game's free, and I mean, technically, Star Wars is free to play too. But I did subscribe to that for a month. Uh, Star Wars has a thing where if you subscribe, you get bumped up to like subscriber, obviously. But then if you let it pass, it drops you down to preferred instead of a free to play player, and you still get to keep all your DLC and stuff that you unlocked when you became a subscriber. So I, gotcha. I figured fifteen bucks to unlock like four or five DLC is not bad. Yeah, pretty nice. Or expansions. I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Anyways. Yeah, Shroud of the Avatar. Uh, if you're a fan of Ultima Online, Dave, I'm specifically talking to you right now. <laughs> uh, definitely check out Shroud of the Avatar. I, it's scratching an itch that I didn't know I had for a game where I can just go and kind of level what I want without having to choose any classes. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 pretty cool. Uh, other than that, I've been modding Oblivion, testing out different mod builds. The uh, the thing with Oblivion is it's not as stable as Skyrim because it's not you know the engine's older. So, like, before you even start modding, you have to download this thing that makes Oblivion run. You have to run this, it's called the 4-gigabyte patch executable. And it basically mm-hmm. patches Oblivion to use 4 gigabytes of RAM instead of 2. And it's like, from there, you can then you can start modding and doing stuff. And it's just, a, it's an older system to work with. So, it's easy to fuck it up. And I've been fucking it up a lot, but I'm learning. So, <laughs> that's what counts. How's this going compared to uh, modding the Anniversary Edition? Uh, so, the Anniversary Edition... Um, luckily it, it, it's that that's come along pretty quickly. Like there's still a bunch of mods that haven't updated to it yet, but there are a lot of mods that I use that have updated to anniversary compatibility. So that hasn't been so bad. Um, there's still a few of the mod lists under my Wabajack that straight up tells you this is not compatible with anniversary edition, but there are some now that have updated too. So that's cool as well. Nice. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, it's been fun. And, and, you know, it just makes me, like, all this stuff has been making me want to dive into the uh, creator kit and see if I can't make my own mod. Or yeah, for sure. take that system and learn it and try to make a game in it like they did with Forgotten City. <laughs> yeah, the fact that people can make entirely original games within that, like, engine context is just freaking wild to me, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, fun fact, there are actually two games on our list. Um, Nerim at Fate's Edge and Enderal Forgotten Stories, I believe is what they're called. So Nerim is a game made in the Oblivion, like they made it in Oblivion, but it's not Oblivion. It's its own game completely. New world spaces and everything. And then the sequel, they made the sequel to it in Skyrim called Enderal. So those are full-fledged games that are on Steam that you can download. I mean, you have to own Skyrim or Oblivion for them to technically work, but like you can just download them and we can play them. So one day, hopefully those come up on the list because I've always wanted to play them. 
That is that sounds really awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like you said, you know, it's it's interesting that people can go into someone's game engine and make games. It's like Neverwinter Nights. You go on there, and some of these modules yeah. that people have made that are far superior than the actual game. Like people went in and made campaigns and stuff that just make the normal campaign look like a tutorial. It's it's really cool. That's, that's I don't know. It's it's so wild to me the fact that like so many of these games from like 30 years ago like are still living well not maybe not 30 but you know like 20 plus years ago are still living based on like mod communities like that brings me a lot of joy yeah it makes me very happy yeah for sure and like even like games that are like technically still under support like team fortress 2 for instance most of what gets added to that game is like user-made content at this point like i don't know it, it, it's awesome that yeah the fans can extend the lifespan of a game because they love it that much. It's like uh, like the old MMOs that aren't really around anymore, but you can still play them because people have private servers. Like C- yeah, City exactly. of Heroes. You know? yeah. like that, that was a game that I loved back in the day. And I looked it up one day and I'm like, oh, this game fucking went away years ago, but you could still play it on private servers. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Fuck, yeah. the Realm. The Realm online is still around. And that was like 90s Sierra MMO. And there's huh. still fucking uh, private servers up for that. Actually, I think there's an actual server that you can pay for, too. But I think everybody plays the private server. Anyway, yeah. Uh, speaking of old PC games, boy, did we play one this week. Yep. Do you have uh, Do you have any information you can uh, spare with us before we uh, jump into it? I or? think I do. I think I have some obligatory Wikipedia bullshit. All right. Paganitsu, which I think I'm saying that right. That is how I'm pronouncing it in my head as well. Is a puzzle video game created by Keith Schuler and published by Apogee Software for the IBM PC compatibles in 1991. It is the sequel to Chaganitsu. The player controls the character Alabama Al Smith. Alabama Smith. I want y'all to make sure that you get this punchline here. The name is Alabama Smith. It's really funny and good. Yeah. The the writing gets better sometimes. But sometimes. This, it, it, it's 1991. Uh, and you work your way through an ancient Aztec pyramid while solving Sokoban-like puzzles. Uh, Paganitsu was published in three episodes, Romancing the Rose, the Silver Dagger, and the Jewel of the Yucatan. Uh, the first was distributed as shareware, and in 2015, it was re-released on Steam with Microsoft Windows and Mac OS support. Um, I so I only played the shareware episode. Uh, I think you did too. Right? I finished the shareware episode and played the first like five or six rooms of the uh, second episode. Okay, yeah. Uh, Romancing the Rose was the shareware episode, and yes, yes. Um. Well, let's see. Opening thoughts on this game. So when I first loaded it up, uh, the graphics were quite nostalgic to me. It definitely puts you in that EGA mind space. The game uses like the EGA menus and shit. It's a 16 color thing that uses the PC speakers. The only audio like 320 by 200 graphics with 16 colors. Like it throws you back hard into the early 90s of PC gaming. Yeah, for sure. And, like, starting off, this game wasn't... I don't know, it wasn't hard at first. Like, the first level they throw at you is very much just, like, you learn that you need to push a rock in front of a snake because the snakes will shoot, I'm assuming, venom at you. 
Yeah, the first level is an extremely tutorial-y level that just, like, shows you, like, you know, if you can't figure out... If you, if you see the first level and you can't figure out how to beat it, you're, this game isn't for you. Yeah. It's probably not for you for other reasons, but <laughs> you can't do that one, and then you're a bad match for mutual reasons. Yeah, so, like, the object of the game basically is to collect, like, keys and a level to unlock the exit and don't get killed yes. in the process. Um it's a it's a top down graphics game. You have like a bunch of tiles, and you're walking through. Uh, and basically, you pick up keys to. Uh, if you pick up all the keys, you can actually get throughout the exit. But there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, boulder push. Like you said, it was a Sokoban based game, and that is a very big part of it. Like it's a large part about pushing boulders. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you, that's how you described it to Nate. You were like, Nate, yeah. you remember Sokoban? And he's like, Oh yeah, no thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I don't know, man. Like some of the puzzles were very. What's the word I'm looking for? Obtuse. It gets clever at times, and it gets too clever for its own good at times. And sometimes it thinks it's clever when it is not fucking clever. Yeah. What was the? Uh, I sent a screenshot to our chat. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. Of sure. some of the jokes that you would come across of things written on the wall, and some of them were. Some of them were funny some of them were very very cringe yeah you just you discovered an inscription on the wall that roughly translated reads auditions for next week's sacrifice being held at chaganitsu teenage virgins only please all right that's uh that's interesting and then there was another one that said uh it's a song by that hit rock group daggers and roses take me down to the paganitsu city where the grass ain't green and the girls ain't pretty a hilarious subversion of the line there not 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 great not great some of the writing is pretty amusing uh the writing at the end of episode one was actually kind of funny at times uh but for the most part like uh, the puzzle design was where this game was gonna live and die and i feel very medium about it yeah uh i could sum up uh, what wikipedia says about episode one and then i want to know um some of this information that you have gathered about it um Episode one, it can be summed up with uh, spiders can be killed by cloistered and one being cloistered in one square, which destroys anything but the walls and Alabama around them and leaves behind some gems. If water pipes are destroyed, the water will stop flowing. Certain spots teleport Alabama around the level. One trap Alabama will frequently face are spears that elongate and try to plunge into Alabama. Eh, nice. I want to elongate and plunge into someone. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, elongate and plunge into me. <laughs> there's a there's a fucking Barry White song right there, or maybe Barry Manilow. I don't know, one of two. <laughs> Barry Whiteolow, let's go. <laughs> Barry Buffalo. <laughs> Barry Buffalo. <laughs> uh, those traps can be disarmed by hitting something else that gets in their path as they elongate. Uh, once disarmed, they block a certain amount of space. Also, there are snakes that spit fire horizontally if Alabama crosses their path. And to pass them, they must have an item, spider, or boulder blocking their view. Now, all that was super just, like, jumbled up. They typed that terribly. And that's exactly... But that's exactly how the game is. Like... (laughs) Yeah, it it introduces elements really rapidly. And uh, most of... Like, the stakes... The stakes are a really well-done element in the game. Like, the stakes are great. Yeah, I'll give you that. Those are a good mechanic. The spiders can eat a dick. Yeah, because the spiders just, they do a, like, 
naive thing where they like move forward and then they check if they could turn left or right depending on whether they're left turning or right turning spider and either way it is really uh really hard to predict what they're doing when you're doing your thing you know yeah and i also felt like that they would magnet to you like if you were like three spaces away from it and it came by you and there was like a space or two between you i felt like it would turn and come after you uh and you couldn't be in the square next to him or they'd kill you yeah, the way that it, the uh, spiders work also is like if you're not moving and you are even in an adjacent square to the spider, it will kill you. So like you have to be moving or moving away from it. And uh, I don't know. It, the spider mechanic seemed really poorly explained for what was a major mechanic of the Sherbert episode. I was I was surprised that when you got killed that you fell into a big pile of blood and limbs. Yeah, it got it gave you a little gore. It was a little fun that way. I was just like I didn't expect that from a game from ninety one. I don't know. I wasn't expecting gore to be prominent then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean other than I mean, this, movies. This was from Apogee, who would go on to produce. Uh, I mean, they would be the publishers of Wolfenstein three D. Mm-hmm. So you know, oh, they that, definitely okay. did. They were not scared to put a little bit of blood and guts in their games. Now I know you know more about that. Um, so do fill me in on uh, Apogee. And you said you found some kind of cool things about this game behind the scenes. So. Oh, absolutely. So there's a ton. So the reason when we uh, wanted to get a substitute game, I said to Dalton, hey, let's find like a puzzle game that's like between like two and four hours to play. Because I thought, you know, we would get something like Battle Chef Brigade out of the way because Nathan is out sick and he didn't like Battle Chef Brigade. Yep. So let's just clear him on something like that. Uh, but instead, when I saw this game, I was like, hey, shit, it says it's published by 3D Realms. Now, 3D Realms is the same company that now owns the Apogee trademark. So 3D Realms was not involved at all in making this game. But when I saw the name 3D Realms, I was like, holy shit, what if this game is to, you know, Duke Nukem 3D as Commander Keen is to id Software? You know, like, yeah. so I, I kind of wanted to dig deeper and I... Uh, And I was stymied for a while because it turns out this game was made by one fucking guy, Keith Schuller. Keith Schuller had made a previous game, uh, Chaganitsu, I think it was what it was called. Chaganitsu. And Chaganitsu was the prequel to this. And then he uh, sent this to Apogee and they were like, oh, this is great. So Apogee had created this uh, shareware market where they would publish the first episode of your game for free and then sell the other two episodes. And that's how Wolfenstein got sold. You know, you would buy the first episode, but then you had to pay money to get to the part where you actually kill Hitler. You know, when Doom came out, that was still riding the exact same high. It was the same market where they would give you the shores of, or not the shores of hell, uh, knee deep in the dead for free, but you'd have to pay to actually fight through hell, you know? So it's like, it was ahead of its time and so i thought surely this keith Schuler guy maybe well i didn't know the name i just thought this game might be like super important and uh maybe not but then i did dig a little bit deeper and as it turns out keith Schuler, before he did this he just did like a checkers and chess game for like some microcomputer it was some but after that he became a level designer for Duke Nukem and did some levels for the Plutonium pack. So it's kind of similar to a lot of the guys that I'm like, you know, fond of from the ultimate doom. Then he became the main level designer for the game shadow warrior, which was another game that used the same engine as Duke Nukem, but it was like the more martial arts themed, like Chinatown game. Shadow warrior is fun. And then, 
he continued to keep on working for him. And it turns out he was actually one of the writers and game designers for the game we're taking a week off from. Borderlands. No shit. He actually wrote and designed a significant part of Borderlands. Oh, what the fuck are the odds of that? (laughs) I know. I did not plan it that way. I was like... When I was digging through all this information, I was like, so like, oh, I thought I was going to find some connections. I finally found a connection. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I would not have expected that to come out. That's awesome. But if you think about it, some of the like kind of like juvenile jokes in this game are like not too dissimilar from some of the ones in like Borderlands and oh, all yeah, that. And like, you, you, I don't know, like. I, I guess it actually does kind of make sense. And like the puzzle design in this game, I feel like is it, it, it's medium tier because at times it's trial and error. But on the other hand, when you do get frustrated, you don't get frustrated for long. Each individual floor is kind of short and does give you enough that you can work with, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think it is unfair. I think it is not the game someone would make today, but I think that like, when it does give you bullshit, you can solve it in 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. There was only one instance where like I went and watched a video on how the fuck I was supposed to do it. <laughs> the, the main problem I found was just the more I played it, the real, more I realized I don't like Soko bond puzzles very much. Yeah. I quickly realized that too. Uh, it, it definitely like shows its age, you know what I'm saying? But like, so there's, there's things as well. And there's things to definitely like, I'll go ahead and say this. The audio is oh, maybe the worst. God awful. The worst thing. God awful. So it uses the PC, the internal PC speaker that they used to have in these old computers where you couldn't turn the volume up or down, which is a little noise that would be like monotone. You couldn't Bling. make a chord for the noise. Bling. Beep, 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 beep. And yeah, it, it made the noise when you walked and it made the noise when some things fell. And that was it. It was just terrible. Yeah. The graphics, on the other hand, it used the 16 color palette really tastefully in a lot of ways, I think. Like, I think that the main boulder graphic was actually really nice looking. Like, it used the brown and green and gray to make a really cool looking boulder. Oh, no, yeah. For the time, I thought, like, that's why I said when I, like, when I loaded it up, I really enjoyed the way this game looked. Unfortunately, I think the monster design was kind of, it looked really of its time and ugly. The snakes almost reminded me of, like, the pre-evolution of like Star Tropic snakes. <laughs> okay, I can see. You know that, what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah, right before NES started pumping out the 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 snakes and stuff on a on yeah. a better level. Um, the spiders though were like red circles with some legs. <laughs> yeah, and I had a similar problem with the uh, part two, like the salamander monster and the uh, kind of fire gogol monster I saw in part two, like. Even into the uh, uh, fucking um, commercial part of the game, which we did pay money for. We did give the money, and it is only $2 for this game now today. So that's pretty cool because I think the original cost was probably based on the normal amount that they paid. I, I didn't actually look at it, but I think I would imagine it would be like 10 to 10 to $40, somewhere in that range. And I do want to point out that if you have the uh, computer knowledge to get it running, through DOSBox, um, Chaganitsu, the first game, is on myabandonware.com because it's an abandonware game now. So if you ever wanted to nice. check that out, and if if you're like, hey, this game's awesome, I would pay $2 for Paganitsu, then you can go pay $2 for Paganitsu. <laughs> and I think, again, the, the comedy was hit and miss, but sometimes it did hit. Like, um, 
I I don't know if you saw the end of episode one. Did you beat the Shurer episode? Um, no, I I got to a puzzle. Uh, you got to the Red the Sea. The Red you got to Sea. Nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, and I just I said, you know what? I don't have the <laughs> the mental capability right now to keep doing this puzzle over and over and figure out what I'm supposed to do. I had an idea of what this I needed shit, to do. This, this shit could not be more 1991. So you get the crystal rose, you pick it up, right? And then you were like, oh, crystal rose, I believe in you. You will make me rich and famous. Because it's like funny. It's like he doesn't really believe in it, but he believes it will make it famous. But he accidentally causes the incantation that summons this other god. And the god is like, now I will bring ruin to this world. I will make Dan Quayle the president of the United States of America. <laughs> and like, oh my god. That is the 1991 ist joke that ever 1991. <laughs> For real. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, it, it was it was gently amusing, and uh, I don't know. I I think that the game the game suffers from the fact that it came out 20 or 32 years ago, and today we have good video games now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. But it's cool to see like where puzzle games started because it's amazing to me that it started with games like this and evolved to things like the Talos Principle and Portal. I would say the one thing I really didn't like, like about the puzzle design in this game, by the way, was the fact there was a lot of hidden shit. Like you could brush up against something and it would teleport you or it would be like a chip awayable uh, block. And uh, even the last stage in episode one involved a chip awayable block you would never have seen unless you just threw a life away yeah and also i think it was strange that the game had a life system even though you could save state at the beginning of every level like yeah. that yeah seemed a little cross at odds i uh i was gonna say if you didn't save state at the beginning of every level you were gonna be starting over a lot because there were certain levels where like you could fuck up and push a rock into the water in the wrong spot and then you need a rock and you don't have a rock and there's no way to restart the level you just have to restart the game unless you had saved at the beginning Oh, there, there is a suicide button. If you hold F6, it does uh, let you restart. Oh, no. See, I didn't know that. So I would just save and load, save and load, save and load. Um, the, 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 okay, so the, the one level where you start off and it's like, do you want to take the easy way or the hard way? Did you take the hard way or the easy way? I'm going to be honest. I went the easy way, saved, look up a GIF, went back and did it the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried it the hard way a few times and then fucked up and i did it the easy way and then i went and watched somebody do it the hard way and i was like oh fuck well i was close <laughs> but i didn't go back and do it, it does work it's just it's a little ridiculous yeah um some of the puzzles in this game rely on some seriously precise timing yeah and unfortunately i don't think that like this kind of puzzle game works really well with that kind of timing no like, i think it 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 kind of serves two masters and does not serve either of them well yeah, no, I, I don't know. I like my main note about this game was like it was good ish. It's nothing to write home about. But for I'm the not time, mad that I played it. To be honest, like I enjoyed a lot of what it did. But uh, earlier today, I was re-listening to the full throttle episode, and like I was sitting there like today, like man, I was a little hard in that game's puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I like I liked more full throttle more at the time, and I think it's grown on you since we've played it. Yeah, honestly, I think if I could re-review full throttle, I would give it a full a full seven. <laughs> um, 
Oh, speaking of a, a number rating, what would you give Paganitsu? I personally gave it a... I'm just going to give it a flat five. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a flat five. It is a game that is so dated that I can't recommend you play it unless you have a huge nostalgia for the genre. But, I mean, it did what it did really well. It's just... It did a lot of things it shouldn't have done, and I didn't enjoy it, and it... It, it's not enjoyable. It is a 1991 computer game. It feels so different from today's gaming. Yeah, I, I gave it a five and a half out of right. ten. I feel, feel, I feel good about out that. of a ten spiders. So, it, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like there's going to be a few games that we play that are on the list that are older games that aren't going to hold up. But at the same time, I appreciate them for what they are, like a piece of history for computer gaming. You know what I mean? Like. I assume when we play, like, say, Ultima or Ultima 2, like, they're not going to hold up the way, you know, maybe Ultima 7 does or, you know, the early wizardry games. But I look forward to seeing how they were because at one point, that's what people had, you know? And it's just, it's wild to me that in such a short period of time, we've gone from Ultima to games like The Witcher 3. You know, it's just fucking mind-blowing. And and like I said, you you go from Paganitsu and Chaganitsu to... The Talos Principle, Portal, you know, all even like Bridge Constructor, like all these puzzle games, like, you know, they they evolved from these early games that people played back in the day, and they were like, you know, I could do this, but better. So, do you mind if I uh, ask you a couple of bonus questions for this episode? Absolutely. So, I mentioned this last week, but we didn't get around to it because it was such a huge, mondo, bad-ass episode. Like, it was like three hours long. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big... But I said at the end, I thought it would be fun to take games that we didn't assign any awards to and give a best something of the year as a joke to them, you know? So here are the games that I don't think got any awards. Planet Zoo. What what would you give it best of the year as? Uh, Best animal models. Best animal models. Nice. Because I think they look really really good. uh, I think that game had really cool management of the money. I thought that was actually really well done. Yeah, it was a good management sim. Uh, Planet Zoo and Planet Coaster, which we haven't gotten to Planet Coaster yet, but both of those games are very cool. Yeah, uh, let's see. We also have Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, which I don't think you gave an award to. So what would it be the best of, if you could just give it a best or a worst? Best move name, Poop Dunk. Poop Dunk, yes. Nani Mon's <laughs> signature attack. Then Pokemon Uranium. Surely there must be an award you can give Pokemon Uranium. Uh, most most ambitious. Oh, for sure. The fact that it came from this amateur zone, they wanted to write this incredible news story in the Pokemon universe. That is so wild, so true. Yeah, and I think it's cool that like people just developed. There's a pack that you can download called the Pokemon Essentials for RPG Maker, and it puts in all the stuff for Pokemon in there, so you can use it and make your games. But obviously, they're Windows executables; they're not Game Boy ROM hacks or anything. So they're completely new right. games. It's pretty cool. Absolutely, that's that is awesome. All right, a couple more. Uh, dragon, a game about a dragon. Best. I'll give it my own award too. Best use of crayon. I was actually going to say <laughs> best concept for an art style. Yeah. yeah, that game could man. If it would have been better, that game would have been rad. If that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And um, I think that's it. I think we gave awards to... Actually, I don't know if we gave a single award to Battle Chef Brigade, which uh, 
I think deserves an award of some kind. Uh, best game that Nate didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I would give it um best lightweight, best lightweight, best pound for pound. Because like it was a game that did not try to do very much difficult shit. And it didn't have to because it did the lightweight shit really well. Yeah, I found that really enjoyable. Uh, Same. That was also like one of my first Switch games. It was Battle Chef Brigade. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. That seems like it would be a great game to play mobily. Yeah, it was fun. You know, you just pick it up and go and do a couple competitions and set it down. It's good fun. I uh, I didn't beat it on Switch, though. I did beat it on PC. Yeah. I mean, it does get a little surprisingly hard when you have the three judges. Man, that shit can get yes, hard. Please. Yes, <laughs> Move us on. Um... Other than that, man, I think the only thing that I have left is uh, some house cleaning. Because uh, I really don't have much else to say about Paganitsu. Like, I think we pretty much covered the entire thing. <laughs> well, we should definitely uh, talk about our Patreon. Oh, no, yeah. If this possible. Absolutely. That is my next on my list. And that would be uh, a shout out to all of them with a special shout out to our people who donate $10 or more. And that would be uh, Nate Sir Cogsworth of the 7th of Juniper. Uh, Jeff, the original expendable old Jeffy Lube himself, and Arisa Adam. You guys rock. Thank all of you. Appreciate you very much. Really appreciate it. Um, and that would lead to, if you want to check out our website, you can go to bit.ly slash the Steam Machine Podcast. Just capitalize that phonetically. And... Uh, that'll take you to the website where you can find all of our links, which include uh, a link to our Discord. But if you don't feel like doing that, you can go to bit.ly slash TSMP Discord, all capital letters. Join the Discord. We just had somebody new join the other day. Uh, I do not remember their name. Let me see if I can scroll up and find it really quickly. Probably not because everybody's been talking about Final Fantasy V today. In the there was a, a Bright that joined bright. recently. Yes, it was Bright. So, and there was also, um, I think, someone that you personally knew also. Yeah, and uh, my buddy Dustin, Darth Thorm. Yes. Yes, but uh, Bright, if you you know if you want to speak up and say hello to everybody in the Discord, that's cool. If not, that's fine. We appreciate you just being there to vote. Uh, but anybody wants to come and join the Discord, you can vote on our games of the week. Um, I do a poll every time you know we do a game. Uh, in fact, uh, since Borderlands won and is next week, I went ahead and put up the poll because the game for after Borderlands has already won, which is going to be a Plague Tale Innocence, which I'm actually really excited for. I don't know how much you know about that game, Wildy, but like, it should be a good time. Should be. <laughs> uh, so that'll be after Borderlands. And then we got another poll up right now, which seems to be, uh, let's see, the choices are King's Bounty, Warriors of the North, Far Cry 3, and Elder Scrolls Legend Battlespire, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, and Two Worlds Epic Edition. And uh, the runaway winner so far is Star Wars. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, with Far Cry 3 being close, not close behind it, but it's a few boats behind it. But yeah, it's looking like we're probably going to end up playing Star Wars, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Other than that, we, you heard us mention the Patreon. If you'd like to become a Patreon uh, donor, you can go to patreon.com slash the Steam Machine Podcast. $1 a month will get you uh, your episodes early, and you get to uh, hear our little section that we do just for the Patreon uh, before each episode. Um, and if you donate $10 or more, you get all of that, plus you get your name read out on each episode. And I do try to do special Patreon things here and there. 
um, be it like episodes where I do music and talk about music or, you know, I'm, I'm planning a, a D&D type thing that I think I'm going to do. Hell yeah. Release on Patreon first and then do it on the normal feed. So that way everybody gets it, but the Patreon gets it a little early. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, I like that, man. And we'll talk about it. We'll workshop, we'll workshop it. it. We'll workshop it. And then if you want to get us, or get us, well, listen to me. If you want to get you a dope ass shirt of our logo, you can go to tsmpproductions.threadless.com. Get you a shirt, get you some underwear, get you a shoes, get you a backpack, whatever you want with the logo on it, you can get. Oh, man. Other than that, I think that about does it for this week, brother. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that's what you got on your mind? Any recommendations? I just wanted to tell my brother to get well soon, man. We miss you on the show, bro. Yeah, Nate, feel better, man. Feel better. And if I have a recommendation, since I've been on this goth music kick lately, I'd like to recommend everybody check out the podcast Communion After Dark. They release ah, every Yeah, week. you said some videos from them before. They were actually really awesome. Yeah, uh, they're weekly. And uh, it's three DJs to get together, and they each have a playlist of new, you know, uh, basically just goth music, um, be it industrial or you know, uh, synth pop, like it, all kinds. Dark wave, dark wave, Any, anything that you could think of when you think of goth music is what they play, and it's fantastic. Uh, I recommend it to everybody, and I, uh, I think that about does it for this week's episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. Willie, I thank you for joining me, good sir. Thank you for having me and again, as always. As always, guys, take it easy.